Al Berry and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Have you been watching those videos that the NHL has been putting out with no, the players? I just, just don't care. Oh, really? Anything that the NHL puts out is just saccharine to me. It's just like, oh, we're catching up with Connor McDavid as he plays NHL 20. Connor, what do you like about NHL 20? Oh, I played this when I was 10. Uh, that's an NHL not, that's video. That's not what it is. It's really not what it is. It's guys like at home, like losing their goddamn minds because they're sick and tired of being at home and they want to play hockey and answering questions. And, you know, it, it does go through the whole rigmarole of, hey, you know, they ask the stupid questions and the guys are like, yeah, we really wish we could be out there in front of the fans, but, you know, we got to be safe and this and that. But a lot of them are pretty good. Like the last one I saw was from yesterday or the day before, and it's got Timu Solani and it's got uh, Jaguar, J.S. Jaguar, and Chris Pronger. So it's got, you know, it's it's old duck players. Mm-hmm. And, and Solani, like, is chirping Jaguar in, mm-hmm. the, in the call, and it's pretty funny. So I don't know. They're not for everybody, I guess, but I enjoy them because they bring out, somewhat bring out the humanity of players. If you folks are just joining us, uh, this is the uh, latest and greatest episode of the Puck Junk Podcast. Um, uh, uh, Like the NHL and like everything else, uh, the Puck Junk Podcast went on a little bit of a pause for about two weeks or so, but... This pause was not COVID-related. This pause was actually related to me moving. I'm your host, Sal Barry. With me is uh, Tim Parrish, co-host extraordinaire. And uh, so Extraordinaire, this, that's an overstatement. <clears throat> well, you know, co-host, <laughs> the other host. Um, and uh, I moved. I, I moved apartments. I, uh, I was uh, in a relationship. That relationship ended. Then the uh, uh, relationship, meaning not like with God, but like I, I had a girlfriend. We were living together. Uh, we broke up at the end of January. Then things got really awkward because then you had this, you we're trying to find different apartments. And then you had this uh, COVID-19 pandemic breakout, which made everything way harder because all of a sudden nobody wants to move because there's a pandemic. So like everybody's staying put. So I'm basically home all the time with somebody who doesn't want to be around me, which is weird and odd and awkward. Um, And then I finally was able to find a place to move to. And I'll talk about that in a different show because that's not important right now. Um, But then it was just like, okay, I got to pack and I got to move. And then even after I moved, I had so much stuff. And this is a me problem. Uh, but I had so much stuff that I still had to move some things after my moving date, which thankfully wasn't the last day of the month, but I had about a week to get the rest of my stuff. Uh, Tim and I are going to talk about that because Tim moved not too long ago. So we're going to talk about the the, the joys and the uh, frustrations of moving your card collection from one dwelling to another. This uh, is so weird. I've, I, this is the first I'm hearing about any of this. This about, is just this is shocking. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Are you okay? I'll I'll be fine. I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. That was yeah. a joke. I'm, yeah, I'm no. Just I'm, yeah, joke at I, my. I, I already know all about it. Yes. So. 
Sal with his loser relationship. Problems. Oh, stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Stop. Oh, stop just, a, it. just another card collector who's single. Uh, right. I don't know. Um, Hey, but you know what? Um, no, I'm actually, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Um, good. I'm glad. Yeah, no, no, no. I am, you know, so I'm, I'm, I was actually missing podcasting. I mean, not only was I not doing the Puck Junk Hockey podcast, I also wasn't doing Collector's Corner with Ron Barr because I just, like I said, I just had so much going on. Sure. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about uh, moving. Um, but I want to start with some some NHL news. And you know what? I Real quick, I just want to give a shout-out to Pat Downey. Uh, Pat is the um, co-editor of the Chicago, uh, Chicago Wolf Pack newsletter. So the Chicago Wolf Pack is the Chicago Wolves official booster club and Pat Downey is the co-editor of the Wolf Pack newsletter. Um, I was talking with Pat earlier today to get some of his insight and some de- details about this new um, affiliation agreement between um, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Chicago Wolves AHL team. So I had to talk to Jim Howard, our resident Kaniac, and then I also talked to Pat Downey, who, like I said, he's part a big part of the Chicago Wolves Booster Club, the Wolf Pack, and just to kind of get, like, you know, just to fill in some details. So basically, and I think this is scandalous, if you ask me, but if you haven't been paying attention to this, the Carolina Hurricanes are affiliated with another scandalous. team. Scandalous, dude. This is like... This is this is like um, this is like when you're uh, it's like Melrose Place, dude. It is, man. It's like it's like it's like having a an affair with another uh, with a with with an with someone else, you know, like um, like you know, being because okay, check this out. Carolina Hurricanes, right? They're in Raleigh, North Carolina. Charlotte Checkers, they are in Charlotte, North Carolina. They are about a two-hour drive away. I actually, got this from Google Maps. They yeah, it's are. About two. Yeah, 167.5 miles, two-hour, 32-minute drive. Of course, if yeah. you go over the speed limit, you could probably get there in two hours. It depends. Yeah, but so yeah, you're right. They are close to each other. The checkers have embraced the color scheme of the, uh, you know, of, of, of the hurricanes. They have similar colors. Um, they're the same colors: red, white, black. And so what happened was, was that geographically they share the same fan base. Yeah. And I mean, earlier this year, uh, Jim Howard wrote about doing three games in three days in three cities. He went to a Carolina Hurricanes game. He went to a Charlotte, a Charlotte Checkers game. And then their ECHL team is the Greenville Swamp Rabbits in uh, South Carolina. So they were able to hit all three games in three days over a weekend, which is pretty awesome. If you think about visiting an NHL team, an AHL team, and an ECHL team um, that are all affiliated with each other, with each other, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's unlikely that you're going to still see... have the Swamp Rabbits. Yeah. For some reason, I thought the Everblades were their team. But no, no, they got they, right. they were, and then they got they rid were? of them. Okay. Yeah. They switched well, and, them for the for the Swamp Rabbits. And the Everblades okay. were owned by uh, Peter Carmanos. The right, that Everblades. that was the link between the two. Well, right, but what they did then is is they wanted to have all their 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 teams closer, and then they were doing this whole hashtag One Carolina thing, right? Which like, which makes sense, right? I mean, you know, if you're, North if Carolina, you're trying to, yeah, if you're trying to build up the support for your team, why not? 
Yeah, have them in the one Carolina, right? They're not called the North Carolina Hurricanes. They're called the Carolina Hurricanes, and they're meant to represent both states. Right, makes sense. So this is the affair that I'm talking about. So, you know, like, bitch, you've been sleeping with my man or whatever, right? So um, Springer. Springer, yeah, exactly. Or uh, even worse. Um, oh, God. Rory? Rory, oh, God. You I are not on... the father. <laughs> I don't know. Charlotte, how... you are not the father. Charlotte, you are not the father. <laughs> uh. I wanted, I didn't have time, but I wanted to do like a a, a, a a graphic, like a bachelor graphic of like skates, the Chicago Wolves mascot handing uh, Hammy the um, the uh, uh, Carolina Hurricanes mascot a rose, you know, and then Hammy being all like. Oh, right. Like he chose me. Right. Because I kind of feel. OK, so the Wolves were. I know, I know the reference, but I don't I've never watched the show. I've never watched The Bachelor either, but I get the reference of yeah. of, of a rose. Right. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't know why Maury Povich is still on TV. I just because it's entertaining. People I, like to watch train wrecks because uh, they can't look away and they want to feel better about their own lives. So what happened here was the Chicago Wolves had this really sweet deal with the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And I'm going to sound like a total homer when I say this, but the Chicago Wolves are an awesome, awesome AHL team. For a minor league team, they're pretty effing cool. I mean, they outlived their first NHL affiliate, which was the uh, Atlanta Thrashers. The Wolves were around... Okay, so the Wolves were in IHL. Good point, true. Okay, a little bit of backstory. Wolves were in the IHL from 1994 to 2001, when the IHL pretty much collapsed because they only had like six or seven or eight. They didn't have a lot of teams left. They had barely enough teams for whatever. I forget how many teams they had. But Most the strongest... What's that? Most of them went bankrupt. Yeah, and even like the Detroit Vipers, I mean, they were under control of the uh, IHL by then. They, they were just like... Um, yeah. They didn't have an owner. So the strongest teams from the IHL joined the AHL. Now, I call it a merger, but it, the AHL is like, no, it's not a merger. We added these new expansion teams, but it was a merger, right? So then the Wolves, who used to be independent, they just they take a few random Islanders players or a few random... Um, I'm trying to think what other teams. I know we would get some Islanders players, but we didn't really have a main affiliation. Because I remember Rick DiPietro. Remember Ricky DiPietro? Yeah. Yeah, so he got his professional start with the Chicago Wolves. He was he played for them uh, before he became an Islander. That's where they assigned him to. They wanted him to play in, they thought, a tougher league, the IHL, because you're playing against guys who are 30 or 35, guys with a lot of NHL experience, like Rob Brown, or, well, he was a wolf for a while, but you get Robbie the idea. Brown. Yeah, Robbie Brown, man. He was a... He, he was, was a, a wolf? I, I don't remember that. Dude, he was a stud with the wolves. He was like... He's like one of the... He was a the stud wolf. with the penguins. Yeah, but then he was kind he, of more of he a... He was not a stud dude. after that, but... No, but anyway, so... The wolves are, are kind of like... I mean, obviously... An, AHL team is subordinate to the NHL team, but 
when the Golden Knights came out, the Wolves said to the St. Louis Blues, like, all right, see ya. We're going to go. We're going to go hang out with the new hotness that is the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And I just thought that was really effing cool, right? Because everybody was a Knights fan, even if they weren't. Everybody was excited about the Golden Knights. So there, therefore, they were a little bit excited, maybe a little more excited about the Chicago Wolves, too, right? Because, I mean, that's just a step down. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was really cool to, like, because I was watching Golden Knight games anyways, but it was cool to see Oscar Dance get called up and then played for the Knights or, you know, certain players get called up and then, and then play with the Knights. I mean, that was exciting. I was, I was excited to watch the Knights the first couple of seasons, and it was cool that my Wolves players were getting called up and playing for um, Vegas. I didn't really care when they were affiliated with Vancouver. I was just like, eh, Vancouver, eh, all right, whatever. St. Louis was maybe a little more excited because we had both Jake Allen and Jordan Binnington come through uh, the Chicago Wolves and play for them. So, uh, it, you know, some world-class goaltenders were part of the Wolves. I mean, so was Eddie Lack when he was with Vancouver. You know, I mean, it's seen a lot of good players come right. through Chicago. What's interesting, though, is that Vegas buys the San Antonio Rampage. They move them to, what was the Vegas suburb they're moving them to? Henderson. Henderson. Okay, so Vegas wants to have their farm team closer to home, which is what everybody is starting to do, right? You have all very close from home because it's less than four miles away. Well, I mean, you know, as far as like, still doesn't beat Toronto or San Jose, whose affiliates are zero miles away. Well, yeah, but... It's 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 pretty much a. It, it's not even. For those that live out there, it's not even. I think you'll agree. It's not even really a suburb. It's just another area of town. <laughs> does it border? Does it border Vegas? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like if you have Vegas proper. See, here's the, here's the thing, and I don't want to I don't want to claim myself as an expert, but I did live out there for quite a quite a while, and. You have Vegas, and people's idea of Vegas is this two-mile stretch of road that's got all these casinos on it, and it's the Miracle Mile, but it's two miles. I get that, but you got to realize that if you go one block, east, west, north, or south, it's a normal town like any other town in America. There's churches, and there's grocery stores, and there's gas stations, and there's everything else that you would have anywhere else that you go. So you get away from the strip. There's a main through thoroughfare, you know, main highway that goes right down through there. And then you have a bypass that goes around the city. And Henderson is to the south. I guess that would be southeast of the, of the city proper. And it's essentially like, part of it's pretty much part of the city i mean really when it boils down to it so i mean there's i would say it's still in the same place even though technically it's got its own zip code and its own town i wonder if they'll 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 retain the vegas name though because like the chicago wolves even though they play in rosemont which is a bordering suburb of chicago uh, they are they still say Chicago, Chicago right? Yeah, yeah. And they still and, say Chicago Wolves. Most people that you know, if you say oh, I live in Henderson, Nevada, people are like, "What? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's right by Vegas. Oh, you live in Vegas? All right, yeah, sure, I live in Vegas. Yeah. So, so 
the uh, so so Vegas buys the San Antonio Rampage, moves going to move them to Henderson next season, and so that leaves the St. Louis Blues without an affiliate. Well, the Wolves stated that they were not interested in rejoining the St. Louis Blues, right? Which is funny for them to like burn that bridge, like say, nope, nope, not interested in the Blues. But you know, they could have just been posturing by saying, no, we're not interested. You know, like. You know, it's like me, you know, like I should probably go to my Facebook profile and put single really big as my status, right? And like 72 point font, right? Like just basically announcing to the world, hey, we're available, right? And I think that's what the Wolves were, were trying to do when they were like saying, we're not interested in going back to the St. Louis Blues. So what they're really saying is, hey, NHL teams that are maybe feeling a little not so sure about their current affiliation eh, Chicago world-class city we're really close to the airport where we play you know um so uh so then you have the Carolina Hurricanes and it was funny because this was rumored um then they just basically say that they're gonna affiliate with the Chicago Wolves uh, the Charlotte Checkers seemed to be blindsided by this. They put a statement on their um, their uh, uh, webpage. Actually, I'm going to pull up that statement if you just want to uh, give us your two cents about this. Well, and that's that's what puzzled me was the way this whole thing went down because it had been rumored for a while. Like, this isn't you know, yeah, this just happened officially, but the rumor, these rumors have been flying around for months now. Well, I think part of it was, was where are the, where are the wolves going to go? And the first thing was, well, can an NHL team buy them? Well, the ownership doesn't want, the Chicago Wolves ownership <clears throat> does not want to sell. And that's fine. I mean, they're, they're profitable. They're, they're, they're good. They're in a good market. I mean, the team has survived. They're on their 26th year now. So they're obviously um, soluble, right? I mean, well, they're not that's, like... that's exactly it is. Yeah, there are other teams that do draw a crowd. But I think if you actually ran the numbers across the board, the, the Wolves do well for an AHL team. Yeah, They do really well as far as bringing in the crowd I mean, they have a television. They have a television sponsorship that mm-hmm. actually garners a rating in the local market, which is shocking, but they do. And it, well, it's, I guess maybe it's not shocking to some people. It's shocking to me that's been in this in this area for a while. That's looked at the fact that hell half half of Chicago didn't even remember that they had the Blackhawks, let alone an AHL team. Right. So, uh, so, I mean, that that that's what's surprising in the long uh, on the long stretch of it is the fact that <clears throat> here's a team that's wasn't doing bad necessarily. Yeah, they didn't win a championship unlike the Hurricanes affiliate. Um, but at the same time, they weren't doing horribly from a financial standpoint either oh so i found the the statement so this was published yeah. uh, april 29th 2020 on the uh, charlotte checkers website 
While we are aware that the Carolina Hurricanes are nearing an affiliation agreement with the AHL's Chicago Wolves, the Hurricanes have had little dialogue with us regarding this matter. In an era where, well, excuse me, in an era when NHL teams are placing great value on affiliations with closer proximity between the two clubs, we understand the confusion that such a move would cause. We will explore other options for affiliation our affiliation and look forward to continuing in the American Hockey League when play resumes. So, uh, one, they were pretty much blindsided by this. Um, two, it doesn't make sense. They're right. It does not make sense uh, because you have these teams uh, two and a half miles away. I mean, it's like the Blackhawks and the Rockford Icehogs have a pretty good deal right now because uh, it's about a four-hour drive or so from Rockford to Chicago. So if you need a, you know, if you contact them by, you know, two o'clock, three o'clock, you can have a player in the lineup for a seven thirty game. You know, so it's it's and that's that's between Chicago and Rockford. Uh, Charlotte and uh, Raleigh are even closer. So yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, so from what I understand is that it's a money thing. The Chicago Wolves were willing to pay money. Well, no, and then another thing, too, is that, so St. Louis, I got a, a St. Louis was a loose end, so let me just tie that up really quick. So um, after the San Antonio Rampage were purchased, uh, the Blues needed to find an affiliate. The Chicago Wolves said they had no interest in rejoining with the Blues, so that the Blues became affiliated with the Springfield Thunderbirds, uh, which they're going to be, partnered with for the next five years uh so then the florida panthers lose their affiliate so they're probably going to become the affiliate of the charlotte checkers because well okay it's not bad for florida because it's definitely shorter from shorter hop from miami to to charlotte than it is from miami to to springfield massachusetts but um the wolves are going to pay more money to be the carolina uh hurricanes affiliate I actually well, didn't and know. And that's what it boils down to is the money. Well, I mean, and so that's stupid. Charlotte, because... between what what Chicago is going to have to pay to be in the affiliate of Carolina versus what Charlotte had to pay. I mean, you're talking about, I mean. I don't know how much it, it is. I, I, mean, I don't know what these things cost. People talk about the hometown discount, but there was a there was a fairly significant one there. Yeah, but I think that's okay because there were a lot of good things going. There was a lot of good synergy between the two, at least I thought. I mean, no, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that that's just the nuts and bolts of it. I mean, if you're just looking at ones and zeros and the cost of dollars and cents across the board, I mean, that's really what it boils down to. If you got a team that's going to be paying you 75% over market of what you're getting currently, if not more, I mean, if, is it a no-brainer? I don't know, but it sure sounds like it. So Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon, uh, Dundon, I can't say his name. Dundon. Uh, Dundon, thank you. He was uh, doing this whole hashtag One Carolina thing, but now that's out the window because there's dollar signs that are, you know, okay, sure. well, forget that then. I'll tell you this. If I owned an NHL team, this would be my ideal situation. I don't want my 
minor league team in the same city as my team because I don't want hockey fans to have a cheaper option. Like, I don't want them to say, well, we'll just watch the, the, the whatever, whatever team. Like, if my team is, like, say, the Blackhawks and say, well, we don't want to watch the junior, we'll just go to a junior Blackhawks game because it's cheaper than a Blackhawks game, right? Like, what I want is I want my affiliate far enough away that it's not going to infringe on my territory, but I want it close enough that I could recall players, right? Like, if I was a Sharks fan, I probably couldn't afford, if I was living in the Bay Area, I probably couldn't afford Sharks tickets, so I'd probably get Barracuda tickets, which would probably, I mean, it's still going to the same ownership, so maybe that's not a bad thing. And maybe it makes even more sense if you own the stadium and you're like, well, let's just have hockey in here seven days a week, right? Or six days a week. Um, but I would want my team close, but not so close that it becomes a cheaper option. But at the same time, I would want people, I'd want people from the minor league city to live close enough to come to the major league city to see a game and people in the major league city to go and maybe road trip to a minor league city. I mean, uh, Blackhawk fans don't necessarily, um, I mean, they may road trip to go see the Rockford Ice Hogs play, but I'll tell you who actually organized trips to see the Ice Hogs because it was only four hours away was the Chicago Wolf Pack, uh, the booster club, because we they arranged like road trips when the Chicago Wolves were playing in Rockford. And I thought that was really cool. And I was actually going to, I was going to actually go to one of those. Um, but then the season got canceled, uh, paused. Well, I think the right. AHL is, it, it's eminent. If they haven't canceled it by now, they, they're gonna. I thought the AHL did, but maybe I'm wrong on that one. But yeah, I mean, close proximity, it makes sense, you know? On one hand, yeah, you do have that. Okay, well, you're going to pay X number of dollars to come see a pro team or you're going to pay half or a third of that to go see a minor league team. But also at the same time, you got to look at the business aspect of it and being able how quickly you can call up guys or take guys down and, and make those swaps on a on a game-by-game basis when you're bringing guys up and down based off of injuries and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, having Charlotte close enough or, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, I mean, again, you got the Chicago wolves being the team for the Vegas golden Knights. I last I checked Chicago and Vegas are not close. No. So, and last I checked Chicago and Carolina are not close. But so, I think there are more frequent flights from Chicago to Vegas than Chicago to Charlotte or to uh, Chicago to yeah, uh, Raleigh. Yeah, yeah, you got that. There, there's that too. There's and probably that, a flight every hour from Chicago yeah. to Vegas and Vegas to Chicago. I mean, there used to be, you know, Hooters Airline used to fly out of Gary, Indiana, and and would fly out regular flights to Myrtle Beach. But you know, that's totally different. So uh, I'm getting off track on that one. <laughs> No, that's okay. What what's Hooters Airline? It's an airline that doesn't exist anymore. Hooters Air. You don't remember that? Hooters Hooters had their own airline. Wait, the affiliated with the restaurant? Yeah. What what other Hooters do you know? Um, well, that's it. But I mean, yeah, I'm exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was Hooters Airline, and it was an affiliate with the restaurant chain. 
that's known for their wings and girls with tight crop tops and wearing nylons. Well, uh, I don't so, really like Hooters food, so I wouldn't. No, I really... don't either. It sucks. Hooters I mean... food sucks. And I don't know if Hooters wanted to endorse us, but I'm going to pretty much end that now. Your food sucks, Hooters. And I'll I'll add this. This is how I knew their food sucked. I you get it without any of the hot sauce on it, and you just try it plain. Because I'll tell you this: a chicken sandwich, a good chicken. Nobody wants to do that, though. No, no, no. But hear hear me out. A chicken sandwich, a good chicken sandwich is a good chicken sandwich, right? If it's a bad chicken sandwich, then you just throw enough hot stuff on it because nobody ever said, "Oh, this food is good." Everybody would say, "This food is spicy. This food is so spicy. It's so spicy, right?" Like it's like, strip away the spice. What are you left with? If it's still good without the spice, then the spice enhances the flavor. But if it sucks without the spiciness, then it wasn't really good to begin with. All right, I'll give you that. Right, like it's. You know, it's kind of like if you put too much cream and sugar in your coffee, what are you drinking? It's not coffee anymore, right? I don't I don't drink coffee, but I understand your point. By How that. are you not a coffee drinker? I cannot stand the taste of coffee. That's just me. I never could. My dad always told me that one day I will appreciate the taste of coffee, and that day has yet to come. Well, they always said it's an acquired taste, right? It is an acquired taste. Beer is an acquired taste. Pickles are an acquired taste. Beer is an acquired taste, and I I enjoy beer, and I like pickles. In fact, my favorite pickles right now, I've I've been on this kick of the, um, is it Famous Dave? Famous Dave brand? Okay. Um, They're like these hot pickles, and they say like on the, the label, for adults only. And they're like devil's spit pickles or something like that. Ugh. And they're they're spicy and they're they're really good. I like them. I had spicy. some hamburger last night. Spicy food can be good food. I mean, I'm half Pakistani. I love Pakistani and Indian food, and a lot of it is spicy, but it it's it's good. But like with Hooters, like one time I just got a chicken sandwich, and they're like, "Well, what spicy level do you want?" I'm like, "None." And I'm just like, "Yeah, this sucks." He's, you know, this, yeah. So anyway, so Hooters. No, there. I got your point. I got your point. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. go to them they for used... a plane ticket because yeah. I wouldn't go to them for food. Well, the whole idea was they had like their stewardesses were dressed like the waitresses from the thing or whatever. <sighs> I don't know, whatever. But was anyway. it in the eighties? No, no. This was, I don't know, ten, twenty. Wow, has it been that long? So the late nineties. Uh, late nineties, early two thousands. I don't know. They got, they got canned. So. Um, but whatever, but yeah, I mean, back to my original point, the, the close proximity thing, I mean, you know, like the Cleveland monsters with Columbus blue jackets. Okay. Cleveland, Columbus, not that far apart. Right. You know, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Pittsburgh penguins. Yeah. Opposite ends of the state, but still relatively manageable. Mm-hmm. You know, Hershey bears, Washington capitals, Hershey in Washington, DC, they're a little far, but they're not that far. Like you weird can get there. to me. It's weird to me that Hershey is not affiliated with the Philly? Flyers. Yeah. yeah. But Flyers have the Phantoms. So you know what yeah. minor league team I want to see come back? Like I would love to see come back. Who's that? Take a guess. Who who I'd like to see back in the AHL? Um the Indianapolis Ice. The Fort Wayne Comets. No, okay, okay. You know what? Indy Ice, no. 
Fort Wayne. The Chi Town Shooters. No, the Peoria Rivermen. Peoria Rivermen. Oh, they're ECHL, I think. And they really need to be AHL because I got to tell you, like, they were, I mean, I don't, I look, I don't know what went on behind the scenes, but like, I always think of them as the Blues affiliate. And it just made sense because you have that proximity and you just had that, like, that synergy between those two teams. And like, it just, it seemed weird to me when the Blues stopped being their affiliate. And, and I just, I'd like them to come back. It seemed weird that the Blues had an affiliate in, in Texas, you know, like maybe, uh, Maybe they need to buy a team, or I don't know. Maybe they need to buy the Rivermen and and bring them up to the AHL. I don't know. I don't know what it takes to get that kind of affiliation, other than money, which well, I'm yeah, guessing money. is pretty much the only thing. Because, like you said, you know they had Texas. Well, Texas in the in Dallas. You know the Texas Stars, the Dallas Stars. You know, I, I mean, yeah, having close proximity. It is good in a way, sort of. But yeah, I do see your point, like you were saying, with, okay, do we really want to have the quote-unquote bastardized version of the professional team available for half the price in close proximity to where people can make the choice? I don't know. I don't, maybe not. But two hours away? Okay. We can give you that. I was um I was a Wolves season ticket holder for the 2019-20 season, at least what um what I got to see uh you know before it got paused. Um 2018-19 actually um my sister and my aunt got me for my birthday. They got me um what they the Wolves call a flex pack. So it's 10 tickets. And you can use them in any way you want. So my sister and her boyfriend, they had season tickets. So it would just be like, well, all right, me and my girlfriend would go to some games with them and I'd use two tickets at a time or another time. I took a couple of other friends and, you know, so, and then the Wolves made the playoffs and then my sister's like, well, do you want to go to these playoff games? And I'm like, sure. And then they kept winning. So we kept going. (laughs) So I saw the Wolves actually lose to the Charlotte Checkers in the Calder Cup finals. They lost in five games, actually had some annoying cowbell ringing Checkers fans sitting around us. Um, Actually, the cowbell thing is, is a Charlotte thing, but then they also gave the Wolves fans cowbells, which I hated because all I can heard for the games three, four, and five were every cowbells, right? The Charlotte fans were using cowbells. The Wolves fans were using cowbells because they were just given to them that day. So what are they going to do? Of course, they're going to they use gave them. gave them cowbells? Yeah, with the Chicago like Wolves. real Wolf. cowbells? I, I don't know. It's it's shaped like a cowbell. It's small, though. It's, like, pretty, like, if you took, like, a, a, a playing card and cut it in half, it's about that size. But then, oh, really? Yeah, it's noisy, though. What did they give them to hit them? No, it, it you just you you put your f- finger through the ring and then you just shake it, and it makes oh, that noise. Oh, so it had like a clacker inside of it. Yeah, the clacker was inside uh, of it. It wasn't like the musical cowbell. I gotcha. Which right. I understand you know how to play like twelve instruments. The cowbell being one of them. The cowbell is one of my prolific instruments. Really? In fact, yes. 
I'm really good at the cowbell. Um. So anyway, so um. Yeah. So I'm pretty familiar with the the the, the checkers because they they stomped the wolves in five games. Um. I'm That's familiar familiar with the wolves because I had season tickets this season and I was going to a lot of games and um. Actually, the first game that was canceled, we were supposed to get. I think it was an Oscar Dansk bobblehead, and I was like, "Yeah, that's gonna be so cool." And then uh, that game got canceled, so postponed, whatever, uh, by by the by an act of the governor. Actually, said, "Okay, no gatherings of over fifty people." So then the right. Wolves game was out. Then like four days later, they're like, "Okay, now it's ten people, and everybody needs to stay home." <laughs> so, um. Well, anyway. and a lot of places are getting that lifted or at least modified going forward here. I know the state that I'm in has had modifications made to every county minus two of them, one being the one I live in. Um, so we're still on house arrest for another week or so. But uh, after that, we'll be uh, moving to a modified version of the stay-at-home order to where certain... Certain things can get back to normal, but uh, yeah, the gathering thing, I mean, obviously that's going to take a while to get back to. And then the question rises is, are people even going to come back if they decide to throw that back out there? I, I'm spooked. But, Honestly, I don't. Yeah, like, I think a lot of people are. Well, I got to tell you, and I'm getting off topic here, but it's hard to not talk about coronavirus and COVID-19 given oh, just how it's become. It's cons- What's that? I think it's fine. It's the world we live in now. So that's what we got. I've been every, every day, seven days a week at two 30, the governor of Illinois, uh, JB Pritzker does a press conference and they start the press conference with how many tests they did yesterday, how many new cases of COVID there are in 24 hours and how many deaths there are. And uh, I mean, Illinois is, we almost had 200 people die a couple days ago and we've been losing like a hundred people a day. And then, I mean, like even like on Sunday, they announced that there were something like 268 new cases or something. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm off here, but it's all, it's over 200 new cases. Yeah. It's over 200. And the thing is, is that, I mean, some, one of the reporters asked a really dumb question and says, well, how come Illinois has so many cases of COVID-19 and, the governor just matter-of-factly said, because we're doing a lot of tests, we're doing over 10,000 tests a day. So, of course, we're going to uncover more um, more cases. So, I, I think... And, oh, by the way, it has one of the top three populations in the country because of, oh, I don't know, Chicago, maybe. Right. A lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, okay. So, I'm not in any rush to, to, to run out. I mean, once... Once my school closed down and all my classes went online, I haven't I haven't been on mass transit. And I mean, people are getting sick on mass transit. Mass transit workers are getting sick more so in New York than Chicago, because um, you know New York sub subways are just so clean to begin with. Oh yeah, I mean they're the cleanest in the world. I think I think, so, I, read, I, think I read that once. Yeah, brings a whole new meaning to the term spit polish, right? Yeah, exactly. Um. So, yeah, I'm in no rush to go to a hockey game tomorrow. Yeah, and I think you're in the same boat as a lot of people. I mean, you know, not to, again, veer off topic, but 
we those of us that are on Twitter and social media have been involved in and heard the discussions of well, what's it going to take to get you to go out and, you know, join another sporting event, go to a baseball game, go to a football game, go to a hockey game, go to the national, assuming they're going to have it. What's it going to take to you to go to a card show? What's it going to take for you to walk out of your house and go to something where it's a social gathering of people all in a confined area for an extended amount of time. And a lot of people are, oh, okay, well, um, yeah, I'm going to pass on that for now. But the next time, I'll get, I'll get you next time. And I think the answer. The answer. I think the answer is a vaccine. When you said, what's it going to take to get people to come out? Well, sure. But because how many how many vaccines for the flu do you know of? Well, these are different things altogether. Sure, but it is a incarnation of a flu virus. Right. But so, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of different strains of the flu, but I mean, it, I get a flu it, shot every year and I don't get the flu. I get a flu shot every year and I get a really bad cold that won't go away for 3 months. Oh, that's probably so, more of a sinus infection. That's what I get. Well, still, what's worse? Granted, I'm not going to die from a sinus infection. Or maybe I will. I don't know. Got to get but, some Z-Pack, man. That's the shiznit right there. Yeah, Z-Packs are pretty good. yeah. Z-Packs are, are pretty decent. But, but I mean, you and I, I mean, we're on the same page here. We, we understand. There, yeah. There's people on both sides some people are like, you know, I can't wait to get out and do this and do that and do whatever. And other people are just like, yeah, I can't wait. Oh, it's a reality. Um, okay, maybe maybe I'll wait a little bit longer. And, and that's kind of the thing. It's like, are you going to jump right out there? And if the, if the NHL goes back today and decides to have fans, are you going to go back to a game? If the AHL goes back? Decides to have fans. Are you going to go to a game? Major League Baseball? Any sporting event? Any public event whatsoever? Here's the scary thing. This Again, we're, we're veering off topic. but So we're sitting here in the driveway, my wife and I, right? Yep. Um, so this was yesterday. So we're in the driveway. We had just got done. We were working in the yard and doing a bunch of stuff. And we were sitting in the driveway just kind of hanging out and there's this car coming up the street and it was going really slow. And I say to her, Hey, I think these people are lost. And they were just putting along. And then all of a sudden she stands up and she goes, Oh my God, that's my grandma. Her grandma was like 81 years old. And here's her grandma drove all the way here to our house, drove, pulled into our driveway, didn't get out of the car. We stood probably, I don't know, six to 10 feet away from the car we talked with them, her grandpa and, and her grandma for a while. And she mentioned the fact that as they turned into our subdivision, there was a house at the front of the subdivision having a yard sale. Oh. And it was packed with people. And they said they couldn't get into the neighborhood <laughs> because there were cars all over the place. And they had to drive around the block in order for them to get through. And I said, what? 
So after they left, I walked down to the end of the block just to see what was going on. And sure enough, there were cars all around the end of the block. And I started to walk down there and I walked about halfway and until I could see around the corner and there were all these people just milling around. Nobody wearing face masks, not one, but just, just people all over the damn place at this garage, like garage sale, yard sale, whatever you want to call it. And I'm going, are you kidding me right now? Like, are you freaking kidding me? Uh, that I, I seems know. very irresponsible. <laughs> you think? But, you know, what do I know? We went to the grocery store this morning. So many people walk, not the grocery store. We went to the grocery store yesterday. That was fine. The grocery store was fine. I was actually okay. We went to Menards. You know what Menards <laughs> is? Oh, yeah, Menards? no, dude. I've okay. been there a million times. Yeah, save big money at Menards. Um, so you can get your 11% rebate. Um, so we went to Menards this morning because we had a bunch of stuff we had to get. The line was like around the building. They no, weren't wait, letting time, that many people in. What time did you go? Uh, it was probably 9 o'clock. We were up early. So it was like 9 o'clock a.m. Tons of people. Tons and tons of people. Um, they weren't letting that many people in because they have it set up where, well, they have so much square footage. And if everybody has to be six feet away from each other, do the math, carry the two. We can only have, you know, 800 people in the building. So they were limiting between employees and everybody else. So we go in. We, we finally get up there. It takes about a half hour to go all the way up through the line to get in. And we get in and walk around there. And they won't let anybody in Menards unless you have a face mask on. If you're not wearing a mask, you cannot come in. Was it mandatory by the state? It's mandatory by Menards. Okay. So, you know, and people are complaining, well, this is a public place. No, it's not a public place. If you're outside and you're in the world, you're in a public place. If you're trying to go into a building that's a business, that's technically not a public place. It's a private place owned by the business, and they can do whatever the hell they want. And if their rule is you wear a face mask, then you do it or you don't come in. And that's pretty much it. So the people that wanted to go in, they don't have a face mask. They got to buy one. So they're selling them to the people as they walk in. That's smart. You can't come any further than the customer service desk until you buy a face mask and you put it on. That's smart. And then they let them go and the people walk 10 feet in and they take their face mask off and they throw it on the ground. And then they walk around the rest of the place without a face mask on. That's what's happening. That's ignorant. I don't disagree. But that's what's happening. And we watched it happen all freaking morning as we were trying to buy our crap and get out of there as quick as we could. So on Friday, May 1st, Chicago, excuse me, the state of Illinois instituted a mandatory face mask uh, rule, law, Yours whatever. is mandatory now. Mandatory. Okay, mandatory. Ours isn't mandatory. It's suggested, but not mandatory. So Friday, uh, we go, uh, my aunt and I, we go to the grocery store. And she says, we got to get there early. We get there at 6.30 a.m. And that's really early. They're turning people. She says, I don't want to be around other people. So they're turning people away. No, excuse me. If they don't have a face. After my own heart. uh, If they don't, if you're not wearing a mask, they don't let you into the grocery store. And there were some people that looked like they should know better. Like they came up like, because I was actually like, 
I was waiting outside. She had to double back in for something. And then I'm like, all right, I'll just wait here. And I'm just observing people walk up. And I see this guy walk up and he's like in his 50s. And then the, the grocery store clerk is like, I'm sorry, sir, you have to have a mask before you come. And the guy goes, oh, okay. And he turns around and he walks away. And I'm just thinking, have you been under a rock? Because they've been talking about this for like over a week that it's mandatory. So then Saturday, we go to Home Depot. And Not only that, it's been suggested for a month. So right, this I've been isn't wearing the a mask that you've been hearing about. It. I've been wearing a mask probably since, well, definitely in April. Since nobody can see me, I'm wearing a mask right now. Right. Um. <laughs> so, uh, what, what's it called? We get to Home Depot like literally. We get there at six o five a.m. And I'm like, do we really have to go this early? She's like, yes. Because they even open that early? Yeah, they open at six. Wow. For the contractors who are like doing like construction jobs. They'll they'll come to Home Depot early. Um actually, but on Saturday though, no, no contractors on Saturday. That's the thing. Um Monday through Friday, more so contractors. Saturday, Sunday, it's more of the weekend warriors, you know, the people are like, Oh, I want to fix my kitchen sink or whatever, right? Or right. I want to put up new whatever. I want to buy a new lawnmower or whatever. So we get there just after six. We get in. We get what we need. We go to the checkout. Nobody's observing social distancing, even though it's supposed to be six feet apart. They're kind of six feet apart, but not. So we do the self-checkout. We get the, we get out of there. As we're leaving, it's about seven o'clock. Because as I mentioned, I needed I moved, and I need stuff for my new uh, my new residence. It's uh, my aunt owns a building, and I'm upstairs. She lives downstairs. The upstairs was vacant. Seemed like a great idea. Um, but there's a lot of little things that she's like, well, I want to buy you some new things. Like, I want to buy you a new shower head, and I want to buy, like, just stuff that the apartment needed. So sure. we go there, and I'm picking things out. But as we're leaving, there is a line, like 50 people waiting to get into the store. Because like you said, like with Menards, you know, they're only letting so many people in at the same time. Nobody in that line is observing social distancing. People are standing in line like they're standing in line waiting to get to a, a baseball game or a hockey game. They're just like right behind You know what me. I said when we walked up in line? What? I, I like was jokingly and I walked up there to get into the back of the line. I'm like, I'm like, dang, I didn't, I didn't know we were waiting in line to get on the Superman ride. You know, Great America, that oh, Chicago yeah. land joke. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, no. Carry on. There are rides that I never went on just because the line was always too Exactly. Long. I'm like, where do we get our super pass so we can skip the line? But if everybody has a super pass, then what happens? Exactly. Then you're stuck in the super pass line. You need the super, super pass. The SSP. Right. The single short print. Yes. So um, just, just want to put a bow on this part about the Chicago Wolves. So it's a one-year deal. Yeah, that was the other thing I didn't understand. So you're gonna dump. All right. So you're you're gonna dump the Calder Cup champions for the Calder Cup runner-up for one year, just to have a one-year affiliation, even though you were went all in on the whole one Carolina, one Carolina, local everything. Let's keep everything in house. Rah rah, same fan base. La di da, less than 365 days prior. You're going to go all in for one year only. 
Like you're going to risk all of this. So, so the thing is, if Charlotte doesn't sign another contract, which you're saying that the odds are they're going to team up with Florida. Okay. So, okay, fine. Makes sense. But knowing that this is only a one-year deal, do they sign a one-year deal with Florida? Knowing that the chances of them coming back to Carolina in a year are probably pretty good. I don't know. They might not be pretty good. I mean, who knows? Right. They, Why they, do you do this for a year then? Like, if this is like the, what you really want to do, like we want to go all in on this. Why sign it for a year? Why not sign they, it for five years? Why not sign the, it for more? I wonder if the Wolves are biding their time for a better deal. I mean, it makes sense. Why wouldn't they be? The Wolves I mean, and the are, Panthers would actually have been a pretty sweet deal. I would have liked to have seen that, actually, probably more than the Wolves and the Carolina Hurricanes, honestly. Here's, here's my only question in all this, and I don't know if you know the answer, but maybe you do, because I don't. When when it, when something like this happens, so a, a, a team in the NHL has affiliation with a minor league team, and they have the rights to, let's say, a dozen players, Right. And they have a dozen players signed to contracts that are maybe dual contracts or maybe exclusive AHL contracts with future rights based off of certain types of performance or maybe just long-term contracts where, hey, we're going to sign you to a three-year AHL contract and at the end there's going to be an option to bring you up because they're younger players or whatever, just depending on the circumstance. What happens to those guys? So now the Wolves are no longer affiliated with the with Vegas. Where do all those Vegas prospects go? Do they go to the new team? Yeah. And then all the, then basically the Wolves lose, you know, X number of players on their roster and then become affiliated with another team. And then what? Then they get, so whatever. They get all the, they get all the roster additions from the other affiliate that's no longer affiliated. So it's like this. Uh, Who are the that... only protected guys that will carry forward with the team rather than the affiliate? That, I guess that's my question. Players on one-way contracts. One-way contracts. One-way so if you're contracts. an AHL contract only, then it doesn't matter who you're affiliated with. Your, your team is that team, regardless of whether they are affiliated with Chicago or Vegas or Carolina or whoever. Well, I'll give you like a for instance. Um, one one player that was really popular with the Chicago Wolves, Scooter Vaughn, um, last season, so eighteen nineteen, he was uh, he was a popular Wolves player. I believe he came to the team. Bef- I don't know if he was with the team when they were affiliated with whatever the parent club was, whether it was St. Louis, but I know that he was on a one way contract because I was hoping he'd get called up to play with the golden Knights. But then somebody told me, no, no, he's, he's not on a two way deal with the golden Knights. He's on a one way deal with the Chicago wolves. So So even if he was good enough to be called up to an NHL affiliate, (laughs) he wouldn't have been called up to Vegas. Ah, now that is where you are wrong because I'm going to I'm going to give you a, a you are correct except I'll give you an example when this does happen. Back in uh let me think 9 10 10 11 I think it was 11 12 
the eleven twelve season. Let me think for a second. No, yeah, it was 2011-12. Carter Hutton, who's now the the first string goalie for the Buffalo Sabers. 11-12, he had he did not have an NHL deal. He signed a one-way deal with the Rockford Ice Hogs of the AHL, which was the Blackhawks affiliate. Yeah, I was going to well, say they had nothing to do with the Sabers. The Blackhawks, well this is going back, you know, 8 years. So the Blackhawks had two goalies in Rockford that they were developing as prospects. Hutton signed with the Ice Hogs to be their third string goalie. And in fact, he even got sent down to the minor to the ECHL, ECHL yeah. Toledo Walleye. So he was like a bubble player. But here's the deal. He did really good in the ECHL. So then there was incentive for him to be in the AHL. And by January of that year, he had risen to be the AHL's, or excuse me, the Rockford Ice Hogs' top goaltender, even though he was on just a deal with, a one-way deal with the Ice Hogs. So the Blackhawks noticed, and they said, wow, you're doing pretty good. We're going to sign you to a two-way contract. So then they signed him, and they assigned him to Rockford, but now he was under contract with the Blackhawks. And a few times that season, he got called up to be the backup. He didn't actually play in any games that 11-12 season, but he did come up and sit on the bench for the Blackhawks a few times. Same in 2012-13, before he played the last game of the regular season. He was a black guy, a black ace during uh, the Stanley Cup uh, championship for the Blackhawks in 2013. And then he went on to Nashville and then, St. Louis, and then now Buffalo. So um, that is an example of a player who was on a one-way deal, but did well enough to basically get attention. And then the the, the parent team said, oh, "You're doing pretty good for our farm team. We're gonna we're gonna sign you." You know what I mean? Because they didn't want another team to sign him. You know, obviously, if if you somebody's playing really well in your own black backyard, you. You, you try to sign them, right? So, yeah. But who was he drafted by? He wasn't drafted by anybody. He was. Um, he was. A, he was a free agent. A he was a free, free agent. He was a free agent signing by the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, he was on the bench for a few games at the end of the 2009-10 season. So, if you recall, and then his, what they cut him. Uh, then the next season, he went to the Sharks believe as a free agent but if you recall um like carter hutton has like a, a panini certified rookie card and a panini score rookie card and he's wearing a flyers jersey but he still has his collegiate helmet so he's like a red helmet and he's wearing a flyers jersey and then the borders of the cards are like shark colors because he's with the sharks but he's because wearing a flyers had, jersey but he's panini and they had to make a franken card yeah, they made a Franken card. Although in on his Donruss card, um, he's wearing a Sharks jersey, and on his Panini, not his Panini sticker, on his because um, his Shark, his Panini sticker is also a Franken card. Um, but you get the idea. So um, let's talk. Uh, let's talk cards. Talk cards because we're card collectors. Sure, um, why not? So the Spring Expo would have been this weekend, but it wasn't. Correct. Was postponed. 
Correct. They want to see if they could find a date in the summer. Everybody's being really hopeful that this will be over by June. I don't think that's happening. I mean, I see more and more cases. And and then you have idiots throwing parties and going to garage sales and stuff. Exactly. That's, that's just going to make it worse. You just need one person to be sick. You could get you could get 100 people sick. I mean, it's just it's just yeah. Um so let's see the uh Chicago Sports Spectacular. There was supposed to be one in March that got canceled. Uh the one in May it's going to be it was going to be the end of May. It's already postponed. So they're hoping that that's going to happen in the summer. Of course, that would be funny if that happened around the same time as the National, uh, which, as of right now, last time I looked, the National said they're still happening. Yeah, the last time they actually made an announcement, they were still happening. But the last time I actually checked on reality of life, uh, the location for the National is a backup COVID hospital right now. So, I don't know about you, but I'm, you know, as far as the, I'm going to go out into the world when they find a cure, or I'm going to go out in the world and just do whatever I feel like it. Yeah, I'm not going to go to a card show that two weeks prior had a COVID hospital running out of it. I'm not doing that. But they'll mop the floor. Okay. Mop the floor all you want. I'm not going. Not that I was going to go to Atlantic City anyway because it's a giant dump hole. But that's just my opinion. Um, I apologize to any Atlantic City listeners we have. Or New Jersey, which is the garbage dump of New York. But, you know, I'm just saying. uh, You know, I'm I'm just stating what comedians have said long before me. Um, anyway, yeah, so it's a COVID hospital where the national is supposed to be. So if you guys think that the national is going to happen, more power to you. And if it does happen, I wish you luck. I will Uh, be in Chicago next year. See you all then. So speaking of Chicago, so, um, shortly after our last podcast, uh, went live, I want to say it was maybe the day before the day after, um, so somewhere around there, but the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, actually announced that they were canceling their convention. Their convention usually happens second to last weekend in July. It's usually the weekend before the national because, you know, I'd go to the Blackhawk convention one weekend. I'd go to the national the next weekend when it was in Chicago. And July was always just a really fun month, especially with like 4th of July, Blackhawk convention, national. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's canceled. They're not even going to... Um, wait and see they're just already saying nope we're canceling it uh which is smart yeah there's you know? no reschedule for that right they're not there's even no talking reschedule. about it no they're already they're already refund they announced we're canceling and you'll have your refund in within a week or so i mean they're yeah. just like above the board about it like um let me tell you something it'd that's be smart. impossible makes sense it'd be impossible to social distance at a blackhawk convention i mean dude there are so many people waiting in a line to get an autograph, depending on who that line is for. I mean, oh, dude, it's just, it's just packed. You're just, you're always waiting in line and then you're, or you're in a room with a lot of people. It's just, unless you're like me and you, you go for autographs of the old timers that many, you know, you'll, you'll look in the line for Corey Crawford will be 300 
teenage girls, and then the line for Dennis Hall will be like 40 people. I'd rather get Dennis Hall's autograph. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, it's, I'd rather wait in, in one line one time had, it was like Stu Grimson, Bernie Federko, the Grim Reaper, and Phil Russell, if I remember correctly. The three of them were signing at the same table. So wow. you get, you get in that line, you get all three autographs. Well, I was able to go through that line, go and go through the line again. And then Bernie Federko was like, ah, just give me what you got. I'll, not sorry, Bernie Federko. Um, Bernie Nichols. I said Bernie Federko. I'm sorry. I meant Bernie Nichols. There's a difference there. Yeah, uh, there's a big difference. Well, one's in the Hall of Fame and one's a 70 goal scorer. There you go. And one didn't play for the Blackhawks, I don't think. This is true. <laughs> but one played for the Red Wings. Uh, yes. I still don't know why the F the Kings traded Bernie Nichols. I don't know. That was just such a, uh, it just didn't make sense. Money? Maybe. I don't know, man. He had 70 goals. He was on a line with Gretzky. I mean, uh, they were doing good. Yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, they actually, that was like Gretzky. I remember Gretzky saying that, you know, he was a little bummed about that trade because uh, that was like his friend in L.A. I mean, of course, he had Krzyzewski and McSorley come with him from Edmonton, but um, it seems like he bonded with Feder- or Federko, uh, Nichols. Sorry, Bernie Federko. You did it again. Damn it. I keep messing up my Bernies. You right. had Bernie Federko. You had Bernie Nichols. You had Weekend at Bernie's. Bernie um, Sanders. You had Bernie Sanders, Bernie's Mountain Dogs. Um, just too many Bernies. Isn't, isn't Bernie the... Uh... The mascot of the Hurricanes, too? No, no, no. The uh, Avalanche. Avalanche. Sorry. See, now you're what? mixing Why up. Why did your, I say the Hurricanes? You're mixing up your ah, actual disasters. Dang. I'm Hurricane, mixing up my Avalanche. Birds. We need a team called the Earthquake. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, you had the uh, you had the Las Vegas Thunder. We did. Yeah. We did for a while. Actually, Quake would just be a cool name. Like the... Uh, the San Diego Quake. San Diego Quake. Interesting. Like earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. It would have to be like a singular. Couldn't it be like the Quakes? That would just sound weird. <laughs> but like the Quake, that would be kind of cool. It sounds too much like Quakers. The Quake. They're the Quakers. That well, would be was... like a Pennsylvania team. Well, there was the uh, Philadelphia Quakers back Quakers. in like the 30s, uh, right. NHL team. Right. And then you had the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates NHL team. Yes, the Pirates. The Pirates. They used to play it in Duquesne. Oh, yeah? Yes, they did. Hmm. Duquesne Ice Gardens. Um. So anyway, so uh, sorry about the uh, apologies to uh, Bernie Federko, Bernie Nichols, and any of their fans who I may have confused with my um, story of getting autographs by Bernie Nichols, Stu Grimson, and Phil Russell at a Chicago Blackhawk convention. And uh, yeah, Bernie Nichols was just like, ah, just give me what you got. I'll sign it all, right? Because, you know, he's looking at me coming through the line the second time, and then he's looking at the line with eight people and he's probably like 
I could sign everything for this guy. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think the eight people behind him are going to, um, <clears throat> are going to complain. Right. Um, so yeah, no Blackhawk convention this year, but it's for the greater good. Um, game dated moments, uh, by upper deck for week 30. So card number 71 commemorates the April 27th, 1994 game where Dominic Hasek record recorded a 70 save shutout to outdoor outduel Martin Brodeur card number 72 commemorates, um, April 27th, 2011, when Mark Recchi became the oldest player to score in a game seven. That was oh, the year. Wrecking balls on one of them? That was the year that the Boston Bruins did not lose a Stanley Cup. Oh. Unlike two other years where they were, you know, lost in, in the Stanley Cup finals. But that was the year that, uh, yeah, Recchi, yeah, that upset over Vancouver. So how, um, many, how many overtimes was that game that, Hashik had 70 saves. I don't know. You know, I know that uh, Greg Wyszynski of ESPN wrote um, an oral history about that game about a year ago, probably for its 25th anniversary. Um, but I don't remember how many overtimes it was. Um, it was It was at least one, right? There's no way that was regulation 70 saves. No. Okay. I mean, the, 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 70, the 70 save game that Ron Tugnut had went 65 minutes yeah and that was but that was against the nordiques so i mean you know giving up 40 shots a night was like par for the course for that team back in the 90s yikes um so then um you're not wrong but (laughs) another thing i want to talk about really quick um and we'll probably talk about this more at a later date although you could talk about uh, this if you want to now a little bit uh the 2019-20 upper deck credentials hockey credentials credentials so um another hockey set that's never existed before but now it does just like a lure that's okay you know so here's here's my so a couple days ago um i see a beckett article by ryan cracknell um about uh provisions the provision insert cards that are in upper deck credentials hockey. So provisions was something that Fleer used to do back in the nineties when they would do like these crazy comic book esque paintings of baseball players, basketball players, football players. And now we're, they're doing it for hockey players this time. They didn't do them back in the nineties. Cause I think by the time Fleer got a hockey license, um, that was kind of like when they were getting rid of those sorts of like, I mean, other than metal universe, which was probably a, really uh high point for like crazy hockey cards um they were kind of phasing out the stuff of like you know doug weight on the beach or you know pavel bure and rollerblades and stuff like that for the most part for the most part right on, on like hockey cards so but have you ever thought about that though what there were flare ultra sets before there were flare sets yeah i don't know i don't know why that is with hockey yeah, with know. hockey there was ultra before there was regular, just plain old Fleer. I think it's because with hockey they just wanted to go high end right away. Because if they had gotten in, and that could the... be, you you could be right on that. Because I mean, Fleer was. I mean, if you look at like what Fleer was doing in like baseball and basketball, uh, in like the early '90s, and they were getting they were getting smoked by the other companies. So then like. 
Fleer Ultra was kind of like they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, we're gonna make some good. Because uh, wasn't Fleer Ultra didn't they that debut in ninety two, ninety three for all the sports? Yeah, so you had ninety two, ninety three Fleer Ultra, right? But right. you didn't have a Fleer base set. But if you go back, so of course Fleer had been around in baseball for quite a while. It had been around in football for a little while. So you have ninety Fleer. Those ugly white baseball ones. Yep. You had 91 Fleer, which are abhorrently god awful. The yellow cards, the, mm-hmm. the baseball ones, which uh, there's, I know there's a couple people out there that might take offense to that, but I'm sorry, they're just awful. Um, and so now 92, 93, you have Fleer Ultra in hockey, but you had no Fleer base set. And then 93, 94, you had Fleer Ultra again, but no Fleer base set. It's it, it's just it's weird. Yeah, I I I I think it was because they were not. You, you even had you even had power play before you had base set, didn't you? Power like there was a power play set. Well, 93-94 was that year where the NHL said, uh-uh, card companies can only make two two hockey sets. So Fleer was probably like, well, we're only making one set. Let's make two. So then they yeah. did power play. Yeah, so even before regular Fleer, you even had a weird set that was oddly shaped and, and different size and wasn't very popular. And no base set. So... It's just it's odd to me. That was that's an odd that's an odd phenomenon to me. Well, anyway, so um, so Fleer did other sports cards in the nineties. Now Fleer is owned by Upper Deck, so they're doing these inserts called Provisions. And I just want to give you, I'll I'll have pictures uh, if you scroll down, you can see the pictures. But just to give you like just a. a an idea of like what these illustrations look like. So we have Jonathan Taves with basically the Infinity Gauntlet. He's holding up a glove with like Stanley Cup rings on it, but it looks like the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, Connor McDavid shooting a puck so hard that it breaks, and the puck has like flames coming out of it. It's just a really funny picture. Brent Burns with a bunch of animals, which you know he owns a farm, so okay, that's that's Brent. That, Burns. that could just yeah, be normal. That one was. I found that one to be weird. I didn't understand that one when well, I saw that. Card. You know, I mean, and like last year, um, the San Jose Sharks gave away a bobblehead that was called Brent Burns with Zoo Animals. And it was like Brent Burns with like his farm, like his Yama and like different creatures like with them. So he famously owns a farm? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. okay. Then He's I guess like, that's what the background is. Yeah. Because this card is weird and it's him looking like. The freaking Tiger King. Yeah. Well, he has a he has a, he has a farm with animals. Like not like a farm like with cows and pigs and 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 chickens, but like things like yamas and and stuff like more exotic animals. The Tiger King. <laughs> yeah, that's what he looks like. He's like the freaking Tiger King. You know what? It's that damn Carol Baskin. That's who I blame. Anyway, uh, moving on. So then we got uh, Capo Caco as the Statue of Liberty. That card's like, just weird. It is that weird. That card is weird. 
I don't know how anybody I don't know how anybody approved that card, whether it was yeah. the NHL, the Rangers, uh, Kako or his agent approved that card. Also, I think that Artemi Panarin would have been a better choice for that card. Yeah, you're right. Um, Maybe. Jack, Jack Hughes with a flaming pitchfork because he's a devil. Ah, he's a devil, right? That and then are. I got that one. And then my favorite. I, mean, I got one, I got the Kako one too, but still, it just it looks weird the way it visually on the card. He's looking like the Statue of Liberty on the card, holding up his stick like it's the torch, but he's holding the stick like right by the blade of the stick, and it's just odd. It's it looks weird. It just looks weird. I'm sorry, it just looks weird. And then what do you think of the last one? Alex Ovechkin. He's in a tattered uniform, revealing cyborg parts. Yeah. So- Think of like the Terminator when like the Terminator starts getting like beat up and you could see like the cybernetics under his skin. Yeah, I don't mind that one so much. It kind of reminds me of the uh, what was that? Um, uh, the Fanimation ones that they did for uh, collectors was a collector's choice. Oh, yeah. But he yeah. was like in a superhero. He was, yeah, like, he was an more armor. like a superhero, like armored kind of outfit. Yeah. Well, I think that this 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 one probably not intentional, but it seems like a nod to the uh, popular Washington Capitals blog. Russian machine never breaks. There you go. Yeah, that could be. I didn't even think of that. Ovechkin is a Russian machine. Well, I will say that there. I mean, it harkens back to that time of you know the. I'll just say the less expensive provisions because these were an unannounced insert and they fall like one out of 120 packs 120 packs yeah and this is what go ahead i was gonna say i've i've seen the ovechkin sell for 50 bucks plus um i've seen the jack hughes go for 20 bucks plus and all of the other ones fall in line within that mix. So Connor McDavid, I've seen selling for anywhere from fifty to seventy bucks. So yeah, they're a tough pull. Um, I don't know. This More is my to- problem. This is my problem with with this is that they're a tough pull. And this is and and this is this is a rant, but I got I got to go on this because I've been I've been collecting hockey cards for thirty years, on and off. Well, really? and keep it keep in mind though before you go on this rant that if it was part of the checklist and it was like this, then you know what you are you know what you're getting going into it. But this was not part of the checklist. This was an unannounced set that was thrown in there. Like nobody knew this was in there, and all of a sudden people started busting cases, going, "Whoa, what the hell are these?" So that's where it showed up. My problem is that I'm bored with most new hockey cards because they're, they, it doesn't matter to me. Like, there's nothing interesting about them. The only thing that's interesting about cards these days are what are they worth? Does it have an autograph on it? Or is it a surprise insert, right? But, I mean, I like Upper Deck Series 1, Series 2, but when you have stuff like Contours and Allure and Ice and SPX and blah, 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 I just... I'm not excited about those anymore. I see these cards and I go, wow, those look fun. I want those cards. 
and they make them hard as hell to find. I mean, like, even like the playoff beard variants that came out like, what, like nine or ten years ago? Those were cool, but those were hard to find, right? Like, and my problem is I want more variety. And whenever Upper Deck throws us something cool, it's hard as hell to find, and I resent that. Not to be contrarian on the, the playoff beard ones, though. No, I don't care. The, those ones you had to actually look for. Like, if you pulled a ProVision, you'd know you had a ProVision. If you pulled a playoff beard, you didn't really know you had a playoff beard. I mean, I had to go through uh, half of a 3,200-count box after I found out about them to relook and find out if I had any playoff beard cards. Because they all looked the same. It was just a picture was different, and the guy had a beard. So, you know, that was that was a little different than this. This is a special set, but I get what you're saying. The fact right. that they make something really cool that hasn't been around for a long time, and they bring it back and make it impossible to find. I'll give you another for instance. Fleer Retro. Was that 2012-13 Fleer Retro? Yeah. Before they changed it into Showcase? The base set was ho-hum. Just typical white borders, picture. Maybe the base set felt a little bit like a 90 set, but like a like a kind of like a lower tier 90 set, like a collector's choice almost. It looked but, like score. But the inserts, the inserts, they went and they did all the classic designs, the classic clear designs from the 90s they had like uh, a bunch that were 92 93 and a bunch that were 93 94 using like the, those base card designs and then right. they did like some that were like um fleer metal and they did some that were like um i forget which the fleer cards were with like the uh the acetate you know with like the clear backgrounds and stuff um yeah they the, did the the ex Oh yeah, that's it. The, the EX, ones. and then what's of like the row one, seat two? Those were the section. showcase ones. Yeah, so they're doing. They did this set called Fleer Retro, and I'm thinking, oh wow, cool Fleer Retro. It's '90s, right? I'm a '90s guy. I love. I want these cards, right? Well, most of the cards were just like some very plain kind of bland base set design, and then like. You know, it was cool to pull a card of John Tavares on a 92-93 Fleer Ultra set, because I loved that set, but I wish the whole set was like that. I mean, I wish they did, I don't know, 100 cards or 99 cards or whatever, and they did 9 styled like 92-93, and 9 styled like 93-94, and 9 styled like 94-95. Like, they could have just gone through, like, the whole decade of the 90s and, like, you know. So more like a Topps Archives baseball. Yes. Instead, the cards that I wanted, the interesting cards, were inserts. And maybe it's a little unfair to say, oh, okay, we're just going to take this retro design from the 90s and base a set on it. And, I mean, you know what? We fall for it as card collectors. We fell for it for 2010-11 score. Baseball card collectors fall for it every year with the Topps Heritage set. I mean, we, we, we fall for it. Um and that's well, okay. And would we fall for it as much if there was there wasn't as much exclusivity with having singular licenses for sport 
I mean, this is probably delving into a conversation we could spend a whole entire podcast on, but mm-hmm. you know, if Upper Deck wasn't the only ones with a hockey license, would we be having this conversation? You know, they would have to step up their game because they'd have somebody else to fight against and they'd have to do something to draw people in. I, I don't I know. Don't, maybe. I don't know if they stepped up their game that much when Panini was around. Um, you know, there were some there were some stuff out there. You know, Panini Panini put forth their what they considered their best efforts when when they were around, but I mean, here's the thing. I'm not going to I'm not going to trash credentials because I haven't actually gotten it in hand yet, but to me credentials reminds me a lot of what uh, Panini actually did with with uh, contenders mm-hmm. back when they had contenders, the whole idea of having different tiers of of uh, um, of cards from a base standpoint with ticketed type themes mm-hmm. to them. So that that's kind of what it reminded me of when I first saw the the mock-ups of these. That's that kind of where my thought process was going. Um, which seems to be what the reality is, but I mean, again, here's another set that's not a set collector set by any means, you know, 50 base cards. Okay. It doesn't seem like a lot Four per pack. Okay, great. You're not going to get a base set in a box. No, you may not even get a base set in two boxes. So it's probably not something you're going to chase as a set collector. Now the debut ticket access, the rookie cards, um, you know, those are nice, but they're also tiered your favorite. So they have tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, all different versions, all numbered differently. Um, and there's acetate versions of all of that as well. So, which is the hot thing now, um, acetate. Everybody wants to see through their card nowadays for some reason. Um, but whatever. I mean, I just I just think they had to come up with something and this was like a new this was a new thing. Instead of recycling an old idea, they came out with this, which I don't know what side of the fence you're on on it, but if you think about it, it might be recycling an old idea, but not theirs. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I have to see the product. I have, I don't. I haven't touched it and felt it and saw it in hand yet. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still reserving judgment. Yeah. Um. I do like the provisions. I think they're cool. I also like the uh, through the board cards. I think those are kind of cool. Have you seen those? I have not. So through the boards are. Um, Again, those are those are tough, but they're acetate also, mm-hmm. and they have a group of veterans and rookies in the mix of the cards, but they're acetate, and they're called through the boards, and it's basically designed where it's dasher board across the bottom portion of the card, and then above that is a clear see-through portion that's got two players um, in whatever situation, like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, the, I saw the Carey Price one, and so you have like Carey Price hunkered down, and then you have, um, I think it's a uh, Predators player. I'm not sure who it is exactly, but 
Predators players like crashing into him. Like, I don't know. I uh, I guess that's what's happening. I don't know that if it's staged or what, but I, I think it's a shot like that. But um, I think those are those are kind of cool looking. Shouldn't were, through the glass be a better? Wouldn't that be a better name for it? Maybe, but it's called through the boards instead of through the glass because through the glass again harkens back to Panini again. Uh, so, not to rip that off, but uh, uh, the steel wheels though, steel wheels are metal. So if you're into metal, like the metal cards, um, those are numbered, I believe. You can find those a little more often. I think there's one per box, possibly. So, uh, steel wheels. Yes. So these are rollerbladers? Um, they are hockey players. In the NHL, and I believe they have regular blades <laughs> okay. that so aren't wheels. wheels, but they're steel anyway. They're steel blades, but it's just called steel wheels. You know right. what? I didn't make up the name. God damn it! I don't know. It's not my fault. Don't We're gonna look. have to do another episode of like just terrible uh, insert names, right? Yeah, we we never finished the second half of the first part of that. Well, that first part gave me so many technical problems. I had to like. Oh dear God! I spent so much time editing that, and then I had to like write like a blog post because we lost like four minutes of audio because that was back when Skype didn't record natively. So I had to use this additional plugin, a plugin which was just a freaking nightmare. Well, um, I, I will tell you that there can be multiple editions from this set because there's another insert set in this one that's called Hot Dog. <laughs> Okay. And no, and no, it's not a entire retrospective of Phil Kessel's career. It's um, called Hot Dog, and I yes. looked at the checklist for that, and Phil Kessel is not one of the cards no, in the not. Hot Dog insert set. No, he's not. But it does feature a host of players in various situations celebrating a certain event, like you know, whatever, like game game winning goal of some time frame or you know series tying goal or stanley cup winning goal or whatever whatever that event may be but mm-hmm. the, the the card is called hot hot dog so hot dog. yes hot dog do you remember but, hot dog magazine uh no not off the top of my head but did you have the book club uh, order forms when you were a kid in like grammar school do you yeah. remember dynamite magazine no, I don't remember Dynamite. Oh my god, you're not that much younger than me. The book, the book order forms. Yeah, no, we, like... we had like Troll and we had like Scholastic. Those are the only ones I remember. Yeah, well, I think it was Scholastic. So th- they had three magazines. They had Hot Dog, they had Dynamite, and they had Bananas. And I think Bananas was for like kids who were more like teenagers. And Dynamite was for, like, that middle school grade. And, like, Hot Dog was, like, for, like, kindergarten or through third grade. I, that's, I know. All right. Remember that. There was a Hot Dog magazine. Well, now there's a Hot Dog card. And it doesn't have Phil Kessel. Which seems like a gross. Nor nor does it have Ole Kolzig. (sighs) That is the ultimate Hot Dog card. That is. That is the ultimate. See, those are, those are the, okay, I know we get pictures like that from time to time. But, like, 
Yeah, just getting back to like my thing. I just want like freaking variety in my hockey cards, right? Just do a whole set of just studio portraits. I mean, I know that was a Leaf or Donruss thing, but just just do just do just do us a set of just all studio portraits. Do us a set and then, you know, keep all the action shots for Upper Deck Series 1, Series 2. That's fine. And then do a set of like I don't know, like just you right, know, actually, so, yeah. So I know what you're saying, and mm-hmm. we always talk about this and pictures and different shake it up and do this and that. And we come back to like the upper deck canvas, right, where they do kind of different photos, a little different than the normal. So this set credentials. I don't know if you saw. They have the they call them colorful characters, and it's again, it's another insert set. It's not part of the base. But have you seen any of these? I have not. Okay, well, they feature things like, for instance, again, this is another Easter egg that people didn't know about when the first checklist was released. So these colorful characters have pictures of various players doing things. And the the one that I saw first was Brent Burns. And it was Brent Burns from what I think was the All-Star game, maybe? Mm-hmm. And he's wearing his... Um, camouflage tuxedo okay uh so it's like a close-up of him in his camouflage tuxedo um the pasternak one is a picture of pasta like i don't know what he's doing but he's looking at his cell phone Uh, whatever whatever that means um there's one of uh of mr gq henrik lundquist looking all Mr. GQ with his suit and tie that probably costs more than everything I own. So these are basically uh, just canvas cards, not on canvas. Sort of, but they're more portrait-oriented, and there's a lot more border to them. I mean, there's like an Evander Kane one where he's wearing some crazy suit. And most of them are the players like wearing a suit. So I don't know if that's the thing or what. If it's like, I'm going to show players in suits like the Austin Matthews one has him wearing like the suit with the vest and his little like paper boy hat. So see, they need to save that for like a lockout or strike year. And I could just not have the NHL logo. Well, we got a, we got a pause. So no, but I'm talking about when like the, the sides are feuding. So like the NHL, PA can be like, fine, we're just going to come out with be a player 3.0. And here's Austin Matthews. And they, uh, you know, dressed as a 1920 newsie, you know, or whatever. You need to look these cards up because that's exactly what he looks like. Well, from your description, that's what I gathered. But yep. I, 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 I don't know if I'm like super excited about the idea of those cards. I mean, and here's the other thing, too, is like I watched the credentials commercial that Upper Deck put out on Twitter. Yeah, what was that all about? I don't know. It was a commercial. I mean, it was a commercial for hockey cards. Um, so I watched it. I'm like, okay. Um, I'll reserve judgment about the commercial. It's a commercial about hockey cards. I think that's cool. That something that I like has a commercial. I don't know if it'll, it was meant to air during hockey games. But um, all these cool cards that we're talking about are not in that commercial. Well, so like to I me, said, I just... these were all unannounced inserts. Like Hot Dog was unannounced. Should have been the, the focus. Colorful characters was unannounced. 
The provisions were unannounced. So these were all part of like some mystery checklist that we don't find out about until the case breakers all discover this thing. Yeah, I'm I'm not yeah. And like I said, I'm I'm bummed that like the cool stuff is always like the surprise inserts or like the one in a hundred pack inserts and and I just yeah, like I said, I'm 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 a little bored of like just what comes out. But by the way, if anybody finds the uh, Jason Zucker hot dog card, I'll trade you for it. I believe his is his is known as the huge fist pump card. That's what his hot dog celebration is. Likewise, if you find any of the provision inserts, I'll <laughs> trade you for those. I mean, not that you'd probably rather flip it on eBay for fifty bucks, but hey, yeah, maybe not. Right. Um. So, I know you moved a couple months ago, and I moved this I uh, about a week ago, and I'm still unpacking. Uh, my card collection is safe, Brutal. but disheveled. Brutal. I want to just talk about moving my collection, and you could talk about moving your collection. And these are probably different experiences. Um, I'm not going to say my collection is bigger than your collection, but I have a well, lot. Is. Well, but you have a lot of monster boxes. I do. And I have a lot of binders with pages and sets. And like once a set has almost is is pretty close to complete, I'll start putting it in pages. Um, like my 7172 OPG. I don't know if I even have half that set. Maybe I had a hundred cards, but I just wanted to look at them, so I put them in pages and you know, have empty spots where the the missing cards are but like you know um i had all these bookshelves i had four ikea bookshelves that were 32 inches wide by let me think 79 is their normal size but then i added an extension cap to it 79 89 so i want to say they're like 93 inches tall so each of those four bookshelves can hold I, f I forget like 12 books per shelf so maybe 96 two inch binders um but i have three inch binders and then i also have like hockey books and then i also had like um, a little display set up with some cards where i put the cards on like those little clear easel sort of little stands you know that you can put your cards on yeah so i had a pretty sweet setup i put some pictures of it on twitter um before I packed it up, because that was like my my little office slash card room for twelve years. Um, I have too much stuff. I I got a lot of cards. I have a lot of hockey books. I have a lot of hockey toys, like starting lineups and McFarland sport picks. Um, and you know, I'm evaluating what I'm gonna do with some of these things because as I get older, I want to try to be more focused. I can't collect everything hockey, so I need to stick to the stuff that i really really like but i'll just tell so you evaluating the answer is give them to your friend the real dfg the he real will, dfg yeah he will appreciate them yeah and give them a rightful place in their collection yeah you're gonna be like why the <laughs> hell did you send me this gila fleur bank zamboni or gila fleur zamboni bank yes dude i, I have, have a perfect place for that the garbage can? No, I have a shelf over here that's perfect. It can go right next to my upper deck classic portrait 
bust of Danny Heatley that's autographed. Danny Heatley. Yes. All right, that's a story for another time. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so um, anyway, so what I did. So here's the first thing about packing your card collection when you if you have to move, um, or this is the advice that I'm going to give you. Number one, when you go to the um, home improvement store and you buy moving boxes, buy the small boxes. Because if you fill a medium box with cards, it's going to be too freaking heavy to, to move. So you got to buy the small boxes, 12 by 12 by 16. And you want to buy the ones with handles. You can get away with the lightweight ones with hand as long as they have the handle slots. Unless you really want to hold them from the bottom, which I don't like that. I like the ones with the handles. Um, two, buy more boxes than what you think you'll need. Because I would do a count and I'd be off. And then I'd say, like, well, I just need another 30 boxes. And I'd go and buy another 30. And I was probably could have used another 20. It was just, yeah. So uh, the third thing is, is uh, if you're moving monster boxes, tape them shut. Which I did from the get-go, but tape them shut. And don't worry about the tape tearing your monster boxes when you tear it off because boxes are there to protect your cards so if the boxes get destroyed but the cards stay safe that's a win um i have i had in addition to some monster boxes four or five monster boxes mainly cards i got to get rid of um i have uh 30 uh shoe boxes the two column shoe boxes and bcw makes this thing that's like a house for the shoe boxes you could fit six of the shoe boxes in into these um into this house right the idea is you could slide them in and out well you're only supposed to stack them about three or four high but of course i stacked it five high and then i put stuff on top of that so the, the ones towards the bottom were kind of distorted. I had, you know, I like taped them and stuff just to keep them like the cards were fine, but they were just the cards at the bottom were hard to pull out because, you yeah, know, they get crushed and bent. They get crushed. Well, the, car the cards, the cards don't, don't but the but card the, house did. Yeah. The quote unquote house. The, the card yes. house. So, what are those called anyway? Uh, I don't know. I think it's called the card house. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's like a. We'll go with that if it's not. We're gonna uh, rename. We're gonna rename it. Yeah, That's no, I called. mean, I don't want to get up and look at it. And but anyways, um, so what I did was, you know, I taped them with blue painter tape so that the cards wouldn't, so that the shoe boxes wouldn't slide out. And then I threw them in black trash bags, like drawstring trash bags, because of course it was raining that day when I was moving those cards, so. You know, of course it'd be raining that day. Um, and I will say this, the cards came out fine. And the shoeboxes actually came out fine other than some paper loss where the tape tore. And even the shoeboxes or the, the card houses or whatever are okay. Although I'm, for, the, I'm for the record, it's actually called a house. So you were correct. It is. Okay. Yes. Yeah. A shoebox house. Shoebox house. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> so it was... Okay, so in, in summary, one, cards are heavy, so pack small, smaller boxes. Two, get more boxes than what you think you need. Three, um, blue painter tape all the way. 
tape the F out of things. Um, even with like the small moving boxes, I put a lot of packing tape on them because I thought, man, if I'm holding this box and the bottom falls out, like literally falls out, and I have like seven or eight binders slip out of the bottom of the box, that would suck. And you know what? Some of these boxes got a little crushed, but the cards were fine. I had some binders, like for some reason, they popped open while in transit. I don't know how that happened. It just did. Um, but um, yeah, so lots of tape, get smaller moving boxes, tape your monster boxes. Uh, if it's raining, obviously trash bags. Um, my biggest problem, and I think all card collectors would um, agree with me on this. I know you'd agree with me on this. And this was actually like one criticism that my aunt had. She said, you know, it's not that you had a lot of stuff. She said, you just had piles of cards on your desk. And that is so dysfunctional. I'm like, but auntie, every card collector has piles of cards on their desk. This is not unique to me. This is something we joke about on Twitter. And then she's like, well, then the whole hobby is dysfunctional and needs to get organized. Well, part of the function is the dysfunction. I mean, that that that's really part of it. And yeah, while we do try to get organized, I mean, look, let, let's be honest here. We've all spoke multiple times in different conversations, whether on social media or otherwise. It's taken a basically a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, to make half of the card collecting world organized. <laughs> it really has. Because it boils down to time. Yes, yeah. most of us are hoarders. I'll admit it. I'm a hoarder. Fine. But it's focused on cardboard. I'm not right. collecting garbage. Well, some people it's garbage. But I'm not collecting, you know, I'm not filling my house full of garbage. And it's sort of organized. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, yeah, maybe it's not. And to an outsider coming in looking, they're like, what in the world is this? To me, I know what's there. I could have a thousand piles on my desk and it looks just complete random mess. And I could be able to say that piles this, that piles that, this piles this. And I think there isn't a collector out there that couldn't do the same thing. So in our mind, it's organized chaos. I, I see it as not only that, but as a to-do list. These are the cards I want to scan because I'm going to blog about them. These are the cards that I need to mark off my want list and file away. These sure. are the cards that I want to sort through and see if I need. These are the cards that I'm sending to my friend. You know what I mean? It's like, right. It's and you like can fear. identify all of those piles. Yeah. And then I, unfortunately I always have one pile that's, I don't know what the F these cards are. Everybody I bought has them. That pile. I bought them at a show and they looked cool. Like I bought this really cool. It was a Panini card. It was a chromium card of Zidane Chara, and it said fire and ice. And it was like yes. like a metal card. It was prism. It was cool. I liked it's it. It is prism. And then I have a, um, what was that set that looked like prism but wasn't prism? Select. Yeah, I have a select card of um, Tim Thomas wearing that, that horrible goalie mask. They called it a mage. It was a mask cage. Yes. And it was a chromium card. It was a select card. And I'm just yes. like, this is an awesome card. I need to buy it for a quarter. But then I'm like, well, now what do I do with it? It's on my desk. 
Where does it go? It doesn't go in a, it's not a set. It's not part of a set that I have. So I don't put it in a page. Right. It's not a Blackhawk, so I don't put it in my Blackhawk box. So I actually had to just start, I just started a little like half of a monster box that I just tagged as like random and fun. There you go. Fun. You know. Anytime you tag something as fun, it's got to be, it's got to be fun. <laughs> well, <laughs> Otherwise random. it's false advertising. Well, I mean, you know, it's like I have this, I have a card of um, uh, Scott Darling. Remember him? Yes. Scott Darling with the Las Vegas Wranglers. Oh. Yeah. It's, an, nice. it's like an ECHL card. I, I want to see it. I have a Las Vegas Wranglers t-shirt. Wow. Okay. That I got at a game. That's cool. That's cool, man. I Love worked the for Miners. Office Depot and I lived out there. We had tickets. And we would get tickets for the Wranglers all the time. Mm-hmm. They played at the uh, Orleans Casino. Hmm. That a rink in the casino? Yes. That's uh, that's that's a new one. Yeah, that's where the uh, that's where the Thunder played before that. Were you? Uh, what what years did you live in Vegas? I lived oh. there from. 1999 until 2005, six, okay. something like that. Yeah, I should have known that because I remember you talking about the XFL. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and that was 2001. Yeah. Um, should have stayed in 2001. What? The XFL. Well, not a good time to start a pro league this year, huh? Yeah, no kidding. You no know, it was funny. It was the XFL, like. I mean, obviously they suspended. I don't know if they're going to be back next year or not. No, but they went bankrupt. What? Yeah, they're done. And like, t- like a bunch of the shareholders or something are suing Vince McMahon now. Well, but was it was the, but was this caused by the COVID crisis? Um, I think it was a multitude of things. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Not gonna lie though, if some sort of upstart hockey league like that started up, I'd be all in. I'd I'd just be like, yeah, like, cool. Yeah, they they suspended basically they suspended operations. They laid off all their employees, and they basically said, yeah, we're not coming back next year. So, wow. So it lasted what all the two weeks? I mean, you know they they made it through. A lot of the season, but um, I think what did they have left? I think they had a month left of the season. Okay, so so, so they were having problems before COVID nineteen came along. Um, I think they were doing better than people thought they were going to do, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it wasn't like obviously over the top which most people assumed it wasn't going to be right top now i watched plenty of games it was they were very entertaining Mm -hmm. and the way that they did the interaction with the media um between the teams the, the between the players the coaches the the officials um the fact that everybody was mic'd up and they had access to everybody at all times i mean you could hear you could hear everything. You could hear the plays being called in. 
the plays being called on the field. I mean, you you had access to to pretty much everything of the game. Um, but you know, again, it is what it is. So a lot of those uh, a lot of the XFL players that were good have already been signed to NFL uh, pre preseason training camp rosters. So, oh, that's good for them. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it works out. But we'll yeah. see how those uh, top six FL cards are uh, doing on the secondary market. Yeah, that came out. The top the top set came out like right as they basically said we're done. Coincidentally, last year the tops football cards for the uh, American Alliance of Football came out like a week after the league folded. Yeah, it's football's tough. Well, football's, football's a hard sport to break into because, I mean, how do you compete with a sport that owns its own day of the week? You can't. Right. You just can't. Right. So, I mean. Can you compete with the NHL with with a rival league? I mean, they've done it before, or at least they've tried. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 tough. It's very tough. But anyway, do you want so, to talk yeah. about your your experience? Well, moving I was just your was collection. Just gonna, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say I concur with a lot of the things you say, and mm-hmm. one of the one of the big giant ones is do not just buy or use gigantic boxes that you can just throw everything in because it seems like a good idea. Like I'm going to put all this in this one box and I'll only have to move one box. Yeah. You're going to have to want move one box that weighs 7,000 pounds and you're not going to move it. So don't do that. Do what Sal says, get smaller boxes if you have to have a hundred of them to put your whole collection in, then do it because it's going to be way easier to move them. Um, I did not have the luxury of having boxes that I went and bought that had nice little handles and were designed almost exclusively for my collection. However, I do have the luxury of having a wife that works at a hospital and I was able to get a lot of nicely sized boxes from supplies and things that she was able to scrounge and they have these overstock boxes mm-hmm. or not overstock overpack they're called and that's what a lot of their supplies come in and they're perfect binder size boxes Ooh. like if, if you lined up a binder if you stuck a, a normal size binder in it fits perfectly um length width height Depth, mm-hmm. the whole thing so you can actually fit depending on how thick your binders are you can fit anywhere from six six to eight binders in a box okay and so i did that with a lot of the um, a lot of my binders but you're right taping taping monster boxes is a good idea especially if you're on a long way move i did not tape mine but when i moved i didn't move that far and most of my card boxes were put into vehicles rather than moving vans Mm -hmm. and moving trucks. They were put into cars. So I didn't have to really worry about a whole lot of that. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you this. I did have to worry about that when I bought a collection from a dealer years ago 
and I used my pickup truck to move them. Um, I lost four monster box lids that flew off as I was driving down the road uh, that weren't taped. So there's that. Um, so yeah, using painter's tape works great because painter's tape is easily removable, even from cardboard. However, if you don't have painter's tape and you use regular packaging tape, do not fret because even though you want your boxes to look clean and you'd rather peel the tape off and that'll just rip the crap out of the cardboard, don't even do that. Just tape them and then cut the tape. Just cut it around the edges of the lid. Yep. And yeah, you're going to have tape on there and it's going to look like a plus sign on the top of your box. But so what? Who cares? Your or cards just, are protected. Just buy a new box. Yeah, or buy a new box. Spend a couple extra bucks, get yourself another box, load them in there. Or do what I used to do is when I would repurpose my collection and I would sell off or get rid of baseball and I had a box that was specific to baseball, I would just invert the lid and it would go from being a white lid to a brown lid. That's smart. I would do it inside out. And if you can, if your OCD can handle that, then there you go. But, um, yeah, I mean, as much as you can protect the binders, I think the binders are the biggest thing. Because whether you store your binders upright, up and down, or you store them flat, um, moving them in boxes is uh, it's scary. Because you don't know what's going to happen. And you don't know if anything's going to bash up and smash the pages or whatever in the box. So uh, you definitely want to make sure you have enough um, space and enough overhead clearing in the box that you use to, to fit those in there. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, my uh, there was one casualty in my move, which oh. I will explain. And so I'll, I'll tell you this really quick, though. These small boxes, um, I was able to fit, I want to say, set, I was able to fit either five three inch binders or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight or nine, seven to nine, three inch binders or two inch binders, depending on how full they were. Like if the binder was only a little bit full or if it was really full. Um, and I numbered them every time I, I, I numbered them, the boxes the first six boxes I put in my friend's car, backseat or trunk of his car, along with some like glassware that I had. Because, um, you know, if you think about it, if, if, if a box is gonna take a beating, would you rather it be your box of cards from 1996 or your cards from the 50s and 60s? Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. So basically, so I, I numbered them. And so boxes one through six, which basically went from my cards from the 50s, which I don't have many cards from the 50s. I have quite a few from the 60s. And I have a ton from the 70s and 80s. So pretty much everything from like, say, 1958 to 1990, like right before the junk wax, went in my friend's car. And then the rest of the binders went in the truck. Well, we're loading up the truck and my sister's boyfriend says 
hey, can we throw this in the backseat of your car, throw this television, my flat screen television? Because I'm thinking, well, these guys know how to move. It's my sister's boyfriend. He works in a warehouse. He's a, you know, strong dude and his friend. And so they're just, they know what they're doing, right? I'm just staying the F out of their way, right? Because um, I haven't even played hockey in six weeks. So I've, I've, I've turned into a total, uh, total uh, cream puff, right? I mean, I could carry things, but I'm just not, oh man, just going up and down the stairs was enough for me. But anyway, so they're, you know, like, all right, oh, fine. We'll just wrap the TV, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And my TV got broken. In oh the, no. The transit. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's, and, and so it was funny because it was like, I could have wrapped the TV in bubble wrap, but I didn't think to do that. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think, like, how do you move a TV? Like, I was so, like, fixated on, like, how do I protect my card collection that I wasn't thinking, how do I protect the most expensive electronic I own? And I, I just didn't think about it. It just it didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. I mean, I was just so overwhelmed with other stuff. And so my TV got damaged, and it was unwatchable. Well, it turns out that my, you know, we we have an extra couple of TVs in our household for one reason or another. So, you know, my sister didn't need this TV that used to belong to my mom, so it came to my aunt, and my aunt's like, well, I really don't need it, but, you know, you take it. So it was replaced with a slightly smaller television. Not that it's a small TV, um, but it was just a different TV, but yeah, my TV got broken and that was like totally preventable. And I was just so pissed at myself about that. And it was funny because like, um, that was actually the first TV I ever bought because the TV I had before that uh, was given to me. Sentimental I, value. Well, sentimental value, but here's the deal. It was like, it was a big purchase for me at the time because it was $500. You know, I was one of those people who's like, I don't get those stupid football fans who like they go out and they buy a new a new TV for the Super Bowl, right? And then when the Blackhawks made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2010, and we're watching it on my girlfriend's TV from 1992, that like the upper left corner was blurry, so I couldn't tell if the score was zero to zero or eight to eight. I'd actually have to like really lean forward and squint and go, oh yeah, that's a zero. That's not an eight, right? So we're watching it on a pan and scan TV you know, the playoffs, and then they go to the finals, and I'm like, I would love to watch the Stanley Cup finals on a nice television. So I went to Target, and I bought a nice, I don't know what it was, 37 inches or 42 inches. It was the TV that I could afford. It was a brand that I could afford, and I had like a 5% off coupon, and I like agonized over this, you know, and I bought it, and I was just like, man, and then I watched the finals, and not only did I, like, did the Blackhawks beat the Flyers, but they beat them in HD, and that was like, you know, I just, I would sit on the couch and watch Judge And even Judy. though you had HD now, you still didn't see that goal go in. No, no. <laughs> you know, the only thing that would have let us see that goal was the Fox track, but unfortunately yeah. it was discontinued by that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was about 10 years too too uh too, uh, too late. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd sit on my couch and watch Judge Judy in high definition and be like, man, I'm so glad I bought this television because it is just so awesome. You know, like just nice. like everything was better. So, yeah, I was a little bummed. But you know what? I got over it because my aunt's like, here, take this other TV that's just like the TV that you lost. I'm like, yeah, OK, mm, that's fine now. But I guess if I had to pick the TV or my um my near complete 6364 Parkhurst hockey set. Yeah, TV's TV's replaceable. Exactly. You know, but some of those old parkies, they're hard to come by. So, yeah, so it's that's just funny. The, thing, the, the higher value stuff and the the more secure type things don't put in a moving truck. Just don't. Put it in the car with you, put it in a vehicle that's smaller, put it somewhere where you can actually monitor it and see what happens to it. And that that's what I recommend. Of course, I also put my TV in my car too. But again, I wasn't that's... moving that far. But, right. You know, it's one of those things. The other the other thing I say too is if you have other things in your collection, and I say other, not cards that are pretty much sorted and put in boxes or binders or whatever, but other things like oh, eight by ten photos that fill up entire binders or game programs or old magazines or old price guides or I have all of those. Yes. If you have those and you may keep them, Oh, I don't know, in a Rubbermaid container and that Rubbermaid container is designed to hold ah, 60 pounds worth of stuff. And you have it filled with 140 pounds worth of magazines you're probably not going to move that either. So definitely split that stuff up. It seems like a good idea at the time, but it's really not when you have to actually move the move, move the items. No. It's all about I, the heft. I'll say this before we go. Um, do you ever see the movie Beverly Hills Cop? Of course. Okay, so refresh me. Who put the banana in the tailpipe? Was, wasn't there a scene where he's like in like a cigarette truck and like the cigarettes are flying out of the back of the truck? Is Was that Beverly Hills Cop? It was an Eddie Murphy movie. Uh, the cigarette truck chase? Yeah. yeah. That's Beverly Hills Cop. So I'm imagining you driving a pickup truck with all these, with the monster box lids flying off and just cards, cards flying off the back of your truck. And then, like, other cars, like, skidding out of control and crashing because the windshield's full of, like, 94 Fleer Ultra Hockey and, like, ah, like, cars swiveling and, st- I mean, it's just swerving. And that would be, uh, that would be a scene, right? Like. Yeah, like I said, the lids fl- flew off of four of the boxes and they were the ones that are on top. To my knowledge, none of the cards actually flew out, but, you know, I don't know. But dude, but, that would be funny if it did, right? Like, yeah. just had the cards but, yeah, flying everywhere. You're right. That was the opening scene of Beverly Hills Cop. Okay, when, yeah. When he yeah. was in the back of the truck and the yep. truck took off. Yep. And the cops were chasing him. Yep. And he was hanging onto that like chain. There's like a chain yep. uh, cover thing, and all the boxes are flying everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of rewatched that movie. And they played. Um, what was the, the song? Heat that was is on. I think it was, uh, what was the opening song? Oh, Neutron Dance by the Pointer Sisters. Oh, okay. That was the opening song. 
So, anyway, I don't know why I remember that, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to put a bow on this because we're already over two hours. So, if I haven't bored Good you Lord. to death, well, hey, you know, we, we haven't podcasted in two weeks. So, we have to make up for lost time. Yeah, I guess. All right. So, uh, anyway, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to tell your friends and your family and your loved ones and, and, and your frenemies. Um, you can find us anywhere you can find podcasts. Also, uh, if you like talking hockey, uh, please join the uh, Puck Junk online, uh, excuse me, the Puck Junk Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Puck Junk. And if you'd like to support this show, please consider buying a t-shirt at shop.puckjunk.com. Until uh, next time, thank you for listening. Stay home, wear a face mask, wash your hands. Anything else you want to add to that? Peace out. Oh, peace out. All right. And we're out. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk. <laughs>